This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. But I'm hearing some particular vitriol from over here when I'm on the floor. And I'm not really realizing who it is at the moment but they're really on my ass, <laughs> you know? Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. It is officially Survivor Series season this coming Sunday. Streaming live, WWE Network on Peacock. WWE's answer to the All-Star Game goes down. We've got a big episode today of After the Bell. Of course, helping me navigate this journey as he does so kindly each and every week. The Waylon Smithers to my C Montgomery Burns, <laughs> NXT 2.0's Vic Joseph. And Vic, what in the hell are you sitting in right, right now? I'm sitting on a throne built for Corey Graves. So I'm sure you're kind of a little jealous that you're not sitting on this magnificent golden throne. I'm in my basement on my couch. Why yeah. do you get a throne? I don't know. Alex hooked it up. Much appreciated, Alex. Well, this is completely unfair. You've already put me in a negative mood before... Not very nice. That's the effect that you generally have, you have an, on me. You wake up angry. I'm not angry. I'm actually very excited because of the third part of the trifecta that will drive the ship to the greatest episode of After the Bell of all time. Sadly, he is no longer part of the SmackDown Men's Survivor Series team, but this is quite the consolation prize. My friend and yours, the great liberator, Sammy Zayn. Sammy, welcome to After the Bell. Thanks, man. A, a little overdue. I've been wanting uh, to sit down and chat with you for some time since this thing, this whole thing got started. So I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. And now that I am no longer uh, around Friday Night SmackDown to see your face and catch up on a weekly basis, or at least what regularly, because let's, what a drag. When it comes to people that I actually sat down and enjoy the company of, and like to have discussions about all things life, Sammy was my go-to guy on Fridays. And now that we have been split by the brand. Uh, I don't get that luxury. So let's make up for some lost time today, shall we? From a personal standpoint, of course, I enjoyed our chats and catering and all that stuff too. But also from a professional standpoint, you know, you were in my corner on commentary. I That's had true. A, I had a uh, 
not to borrow a term from Paul Heyman here, I had an advocate. I had someone, I had someone that was showing my point of view on things out there. Uh, and now Pat McAfee, great guy or McAfee. He'll, he'll get so mad at me for that one. (laughs) Even better. McAfee over there, you know, he's calling me all kinds of name, right? Names right there with Michael Cole. I got no one in my corner. So whatever. I got to take this time to uh, publicly actually thank you because what do we have? Octopus, tofu, and I've never before eaten anything like that as Graves can contest. It's a strict diet of McDonald's and Burger King. Notorious, terrible eater, Vic Joseph. Yes, very bad. Yeah, Vic, Vic has maintained the same appetite that he's had since he was six years old. He's kind of carried <laughs> Smiley that into face potatoes, guys. I wonder if that's like an arrested development thing. We got to break that down psychologically. Like, Ooh, what's I'm into this. Let's, let's, go let's, go let's, no, let's get back on topic here, guys. Thank you very what much. What happened in your childhood that, that, that froze <laughs> you in time from a dietary perspective like this? Well, we got less than an hour, Sammy. I'll have to catch up with you on a Friday one time. <laughs> yeah, okay, trust okay, me. There, there's not enough time in any given week to fully yeah. break down what is happening in the mind of Vic Joseph. <laughs> Uh, Sammy, unfortunately, I, I mentioned it from the outset. You were part of the men's team for the uh, Friday Night SmackDown squad. But what really got the world talking in the aftermath was the tweet that you sent out to the entire world, which was a quote that if you knew, you knew. I am lucky enough to know, shared it in the great rock and roll band against me. You tweeted, if you had told me all this when I was 15, I never would have believed you. I uh, got the whole world talking. And in the day and age of quote unquote cryptic tweets, what was going on in Sammy's mind when you sent that out for the world to see? Uh, I mean, that was, that was just one of those, take a step back and, uh, you know, look, look at it with some perspective. So, you know, week to week, Jeff Hardy's appear at this point and uh, a competitor and also a competitor who knocked me out of the survivor series men's team. And uh, there will be revenge for that. But, but, if you take a step back every once in a while out of the storylines and out of the, you know, competitive nature of WWE, sometimes if you take a step back, uh, you realize, man, what I'm doing is really cool. And it's kind of what I set out to do and I'm actually doing it. And that that's pretty, that's a trip, I think. Uh, and Jeff Hardy was my absolute hero at 15. Um, that was, I was 15 when I, when the no mercy match happened, October 99. And I was already a fan of theirs and everything, but that was a, that was a game changer. That one was. And so working Jeff Hardy with a, with a particularly hot crowd last week in Norfolk, when I watched that little snippet back, that video clip of him uh, hitting that twist of fate and the crowd's coming unglued, he rips his shirt off and there, there's a great camera angle that the truck pulled there in the crowd and you just see the hands and they're literally like rocking out. They're doing rock and roll <laughs> hand signs. Like they're, they're just partying. It was. It was that's a party. That's not even a pop. That's not even cheering. And that's what I always shoot for. Uh, like the greatest moments, it was a party. Exactly. So w- when the best moments of my career, they, they're, for, they're not even, it's not even pops. They're not popping. They're not cheering. They're dancing. Yeah. They're completely, it's, it's like, it transcends pro wrestling. It's just that it's a, uh, it's they're, a they're visceral reaction. Yes. Yes. It's, it's somebody being the part caught this in the, the moment. Part of the match where you ch- yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's what that was. And Jeff Hardy, of course, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not solely responsible for this. It's his connection with the crowd that he's built over, you know, 20 something years now that, that, but man, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to do that because of Jeff Hardy, you know, in part because of Jeff Hardy. 
And then all these years later, there I am sharing the ring with Jeff Hardy and sharing that moment with Jeff Hardy. So I just thought, wow, that's so cool. And of course, yeah, the line from the, from the Against Me song uh, called, you know, tonight we're going to give it 35%, which is if I, if you told me all this when I was 15, I never would have believed it. But certainly if it's what I wanted when I was 15, <laughs> right? you know, so it's, it was pretty cool. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. How important is it for you to, to give yourself those reality checks from time to time? I like to talk about it because this is a job. This is a career. This is a lifestyle for everybody involved in WWE, from the superstars to the caterers, top to bottom. This, this is truly a lifestyle. You have to live in it, be in it full time. How do you yourself remind yourself to take a step back from time to time and go, hey, wait a minute, I am living a dream. I, I don't know. I can't. It's so hard to pinpoint, just like Vic Joseph and his shoddy childhood <laughs> diet that he's somehow carried <laughs> to adulthood. It, it's hard to pinpoint the reasons why we are the way we are. But uh, I, I am wired in a certain way where I, I do take inventory a lot. And I don't know how I've developed this sort of thought pattern or behavioral pattern, but uh, I think it served me very well to keep me a overall happier person because I think negativity really, uh, you know, you get, it's, it's a cloud, you know, you hear that expression clouded by negativity and it is, it's like a cloud because it doesn't allow you to see things for what they are. You lack perspective when you're on the hamster wheel of WWE because it's so crazy. The schedule is so intense and the frustrations and, you know, Graves, of course, <laughs> a guy who's almost famously frustrated at times. You know, you know how it is when you're so close to something and, and all these little things go wrong and you, you kind of lose perspective of what, what it is to be here. Yeah, that's the significance of the uh, the Against Me song. When when I To you and I, I remember being in the gym in the Performance Center and when I got control of the, the radio for, you know, any given day, that song would come on and that was sort of, that was sort of my mentality at the time. <laughs> Tonight we're giving it 35% and it became sort of a walking or a running joke amongst the, 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 the group at the time that Graves was just the little ray of pitch black just kind of hovering over everything. <laughs> And the funny thing is if you had just rewound five years or so before that, when we, the time when you were, you know, uh, an NXT talent who was almost on the cusp of getting called up and he's, he's next in line. If you, if you can kind of transport yourself back in time to that time period, uh, you know, you, you, you will admit, I'm sure that you felt negative a lot of the time, but if you were able in that moment to rewind a few years or zoom out and just remind yourself that, man, this is exactly where I wanted to be. And I'm not getting there right. You know, I'm not getting to the exact spot I want to be at in the time frame I want to be there. But 
it's those little zoom outs that give you some perspective. Like, man, I'm here. I wanted to be here and I'm here. And that's a million to one shot. Right. You know, even with hard work and talent, it's still a million to one shot. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I, uh, if I overdo it, but I'm just really big on trying to maintain perspective. And I think that perspective breeds a certain sort of sense of gratitude. And then that gratitude keeps you happy. That's sort of like the little domino effect. So that's why I'm usually a, a fairly cheer, cheerful person because I don't allow myself to get caught up too much on the hamster wheel and get, you know, get those blinders on me where I'm just in tunnel vision and all I'm seeing is the negative thing that's right in front of me or, or the mild frustration of what's right in front of me. You take right. those blinders off and you see things a little more clearly. And uh, I think generally speaking, you'll, it'll cheer you up a little bit. That's, that's just me anyway. There's a lot of things, you know, you just, you just brought up Sammy, because I think in the the world we live in right now with everything going on globally, one of the things that everyone would maybe get negative about, as you mentioned, was the travel schedule. But looking back, Graves and I have talked about it in the car for a 15-minute drive from the Performance Center to the Hyatt Hotel at MCO. Like, man, I miss being in the car. And now right. you're back on the road. What's it like to reconnect right. with the WWE Universe? It's one of those things that, again, it was so easy to take for granted because it becomes such a grind. And it takes a toll. Like, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It does take a toll. Uh, mentally, physically, everything. But once it's taken away from you, you realize how precious it was to, to have. So there were times people would look at their schedules and complain about it. And look, I get it. I'm not above all of this. I, I just want to, let me, let me interject on myself here. And I'm not above any of this. I get caught in it all the time. All I'm saying is to have the ability to pull yourself out of it and, and catch yourself. You know what I mean? Like, Oh man, I'm, I'm complaining about this. I'm complaining about that. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Recenter. This is actually pretty great. I'm lucky to be able to do this. So, and, and the touring schedule is a perfect example of that because that is something that wears guys down. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and it's taken away. And look, uh, part of it was pretty great being home a lot, but then there definitely came a period. Yeah. I'm there not going to sit here and act I, like, yeah. <laughs> Carmela and I had a conversation literally two days ago about how Man, that time where we were at Tropicana Field and you were in the same hotel every yeah. week and you got to know the restaurants and the towns. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, it man, in hindsight, at the time, <laughs> at the time it wasn't fun because we're like, man, we missed the crowds, we missed the people. But as far as from the travel perspective, man, I was like, wow, we might have figured out the cheat code. Can we just do this all the time? <laughs> Look, and I don't know, maybe an unpopular thing to say, I loved the Thunderdome. I think I did some of the best work of my career in the Thunderdome. Talk to me about that because that, that is an environment that unless you are a WWE superstar who actually lived and particularly performed during the pandemic era, the Thunderdome era, compare and contrast that, man. You're a guy who just admittedly at the top of the conversation, you live for the fan reaction. You just want everybody to party, to have, you know, that's, that's what gets so many talent off is that, that connection with the fans and the reactions. So to go to essentially a sterile environment, like the Thunderdome, where it was all virtual. How did you handle that? How did you cope and deal with being a superstar in a completely different universe? Yeah, it's weird. It is weird because what you're saying is true. And I, I that is what we do. What we do is that synergy. It's all, it is that synergy with the audience. That's what this is all about. And then you take away the key component of it, which is the audience. So you would think, well, this is, this is not right. <laughs> yeah. But weirdly enough, performing in it, I, I, I was shocked even at my, my own reaction to it 
how much I, I did enjoy it. Very hard, very hard to explain. But even so, I remember specifically, this is the one that jumps out to me is the, the triple threat ladder match with me and Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, you've been in ladder matches, you know they're painful, and you know what kind of gets you through that is the audience and the adrenaline and everything else. So I was real curious, right before I went out there, uh, how am I going to feel about this? You know, how is this going to feel, taking these crazy ladder bumps and not having a crowd to, to and the, their adrenaline to pull me through this? Right. And I was shocked at how present I was, at how... It was like they were there. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Being able to hear the crowd through the audio of the uh, Thunderdome, I think definitely helped. So sure. it wasn't total silence. Like right. uh, the beginning of the, the PC era, that first little bit of PC right. where it was complete silence. Although even that I loved. And uh, I wrestled Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. And I was very excited to have an empty arena match with nobody there. Because that's a different art form. I guess that's what I'm breaking it down to here is there's, there's a series of different art forms within the art form. And uh, what we do weekly now with the audience back in the house, that's the art form as we've known it for forever. But then being what I called a studio wrestler. <laughs> that's a great comparison though. Think about it because I, I always grew up my dad talking about studio wrestling here in Pittsburgh and Bill Cardill and, and a lot of the, the legends of the business came through those doors, but it was, it was a, a small, almost sterile. There were a handful of people, but it was in a studio environment, yeah. much like a TV show. It was not what we know and love. Right, right. So totally different. And now all of a sudden uh, I'm a studio wrestler and that's a different art form and you got to do it differently. And the ability to adjust is something I take a lot of pride in. That's kind of those little things that make me feel like a pro. And so uh, I really enjoyed that. And then even the other closed set studio wrestling even more closed set actually, because the Thunderdome was a closed set too. But when it was the PC and it was empty arena, no audience, no sound piped in, no video monitors, nothing. You're stripping away all the bells and whistles of what make WWE. And now you got to strip it down almost naked. Man, I, I wish I got a little bit more mileage out of that first little bit in the PC with nobody. Uh, because I took a lot of pride in, in trying to make matches that didn't feel awkward. Yeah. You know, making people forget that there's no crowd that get you totally engrossed in the action. And it's just tighter. I think, I think there was a bit of a missed opportunity there. If I'm being honest in how we produce the show, that was an opportunity to, to, to produce the show in a totally different way, change the way we film, change the way we present the show just in, in so many ways, because so many of the key variables are not there anymore. But I think we missed the mark there as a company a little bit, again, just being frank here, in that we kind of tried to present the exact same product the exact same way, but without the key component there, which is the audience and the inter interaction and all that, you know? So, uh, I don't know. My personal opinion is there's a bit of a missed mark there. I, that makes a lot of sense. I think one of the uh, things you brought up that was intriguing to me was being able to adapt and evolve to the situation because we've talked about it on this show. Someone who stood out to me, and I think when everyone looks back on that era, a couple of the superstars that will stand out was Bailey. I mean, you got to see people do a whole new revolution of their career evolution, so to speak, to step into new, like try new things, see what works, yeah. see what fails. I think when people look back, it's going to be a time that some people go, wow, actually we did have something really cool for that short period of time. I think so. I, I think it was a really, really distinct and special time in WWE history. We talk about history all the time as a company, but that's uh 
just such a memorable time, not only in WWE, but in the world. Sure. Because even now it's only been what, uh, a year and a half. It's been like 18 months since the pandemic first, first started. And already you get this sort of amnesia where it's so hard to transport yourself back to the very beginning and what the climate of the world was, what the, what the mood was like with the, you know, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. at? Yeah. You yeah. almost romanticize it because you, it's, it's in the hindsight. Yeah. You're speaking very highly of something in the moment. I, I dare say even yourself, we were all kind of like, how in the hell are we going to make this work? This isn't, this isn't right. This right. Isn't, well, all right. We're going to try it. And to your point, you, you found a, a little something to latch onto and you, you, focused on that. And now in hindsight, you're enjoying that, which may be the hottest take that anybody has ever given on after the bell. Sami Zayn, this is no crowd. That's good. I can't yeah. wait to see that all over the dirt yeah. sheets tomorrow. Yeah. Sami Zayn wishes we could go back to the Thunderdome. But even that, like, like, like just finding the bright spots that we, we, I think we, as a species, I think it's like a survival mechanism. You sort of romanticize things that may have been negative in the past, or at least focus on the positive aspects of a negative experience. I think it's definitely like a social survival mechanism that we have as human beings. So I realize the luck involved is what I'm getting at. However, I'm able to take really uh, good things out of all these little time periods. And, and again, if I just, hone in on simply the professional part of the, the, the Thunderdome era, my character work and my performance, I actually think I was kind of firing on all cylinders that stuff with the conspiracy stuff. And, uh, yes. and the documentary that, that was really, I, I really wonder how that would have been received with a crowd. And that's the, the asterisk where you'll, you'll never quite know for sure what was working hundred percent. What wasn't even when you're talking about Bailey, um, it was easy to watch it on screen and go, wow, Bailey's doing really great. But there was no, the, the crowd is sort of our barometer for what's working and not working. And without the crowd, even if you feel like you're doing great work, it's hard to know for sure how it's being received on the other end. Uh, so I don't know how my, my conspiracy and my documentary stuff would have been received had there been a crowd. But I know doing it felt like I was doing some of the best stuff I'd ever done, certainly from a character perspective. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Now the crowds are back. WWE and the WWE universe is quote unquote back to normal. Uh, so much so that you just found yourself as part of the tour to the UK where you had a very, very interesting interaction with a particular pop star. Uh, <laughs> I saw, yeah, that's one for the books. huh? I saw the tweet <laughs> out of context. I didn't know that it happened at a WWE live event, but scary freaking spice, yeah. not a Sami Zayn fan. Yeah. How about that? Uh, I guess, so what happened is I got knocked to the floor during my match and I'm used to some people, you know, especially I'm, I'm an antagonizer. 
Sami Zayn gets the crowd riled up a little bit before the match, especially with the microphone and all that. So I'm expecting a few comments when I'm knocked on the floor ringside momentarily. Um, but I'm hearing some particular vitriol from over here when I'm on the floor. And I'm not really realizing who it is at the moment, but they're really on my ass, <laughs> you know? And so I'm doing a little bit of back talk. Somebody that stood out from the crowd because of their level of, of angst towards you amidst a sea of people. Somebody was so angry that they actually drew you out of your moment to pay attention. Yeah. And what was, what was some of the back and forth? I'm trying to remember it, but it was, it was sort of like get up or, uh, you know, get up your coward or you're this or that. I'm saying, Hey man, I'm hurt. Give me a second. You don't know what it's like. I'm in pain right now. And then that's, that's when uh, the line was uttered by scary spice under her breath. Mind you. <laughs> it was very colorful language. It was like, because she was in the front row it was almost like she knelt down and whispered it to me in my ear. Like, I know, you know what you're being right now. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I demanded an apology on social media. I still haven't received one. We're going to get on that. Start a hashtag. I think that's the key to fix everything, right? That's how we save the world these days is hashtags. Hashtag apologize to yeah. Sammy. I like it. Yeah. Sorry to Sammy. <laughs> The 15-year-old Sami Zayn dreaming about Jeff Hardy and also the Spice Girls coming out, you know, later on. Who would have thought in 2021, you know, Scary Spice would be yeah. saying something to you like that? And within a week of the Jeff Hardy thing. Right. <laughs> Big week. Lots of perspective to be gained. <laughs> crazy week. Crazy. Yeah. Cra crazy week for 15-year-old Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to, to adapt and evolve with us here and take your uh, your sports entertainer superstar cap off and try to step back into the fan aspect of what Sami Zayn loves about WWE, what we talk about here on After the Bell. Again, we mentioned it. It's Survivor Series. Growing up, Sammy, I mean, Survivor Series used to be the Thanksgiving Day tradition for all of us, at least here in the United States, because uh, you guys do everything backwards in Canada anyway. But it was always a big event to be a part of. I know you're disappointed you're no longer part of the team. What, what does Sami Zayn, from a fan's perspective, enjoy most about the landscape of WWE right now? Well, I don't know. So I guess, I guess it's, a, it's a positive and a negative, depending on how you look at it. Again, it's all perspective. But the, the uncertainty of the moment, I think, is interesting. And I think that's what, uh, I think that's what fans want the most. And I, again, putting my own sort of fan thinking cap on, you, you don't want to be able to call it a month out. You don't want to be able to call what's going to happen next week, you know? And so now, for example, with the shakeup that just happened with the draft, I think SmackDown lost a lot of great talent, great, great talent. And from a personal point of view, all my friends, <laughs> all my friends, all, most of my friends all just went to raw. So, uh, but now you have all this influx of new faces on SmackDown and, and performers and superstars that are in the process of developing as well. They have a chance to step into a role. And so for me, that's exciting to kind of see who's going to end up where. And I think that's, I don't think that's me as a performer. I think that's me as a fan is the uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen next and who's going to land where on the totem pole kind of, Oh, I like this guy and he's on the show now where, you know, I'm rooting for this guy to, to climb the ladder, that sort of thing. I think that's, what's exciting to me. Uh, I guess both as a performer and as a fan, the uncertainty is a crucial, crucial aspect, in my opinion, to what we do. And I think, you know, even if you hearken back to the Attitude Era, which I have a lot to say about the Attitude Era, I, 
people, you want to talk about romanticizing things and putting rose-colored glasses on things or comparing things because the world was just such a different place at that time. So it, it could only have existed in that time period under those exact circumstances, whatever. We'll steamroll right past that. But the one I, thing I, I don't, I, I, I kind of, I'm going to let you steamroll yeah. right now, but we might have to revisit this at some point because this is a very interesting point well, of view. But I, I guess I'm just, I, uh, this is me getting a, a little temperamental about the constant comparison between today's era and the, the attitude era. Like you, it's apples and oranges that couldn't have existed now. And the attitude era, if it was constrained by the same constraints that, that we have today, would not have existed. And I don't necessarily think they would have had a better batting average. And I don't necessarily think the, like, yeah, the talent, the, the list of names you go through from the Attitude Era, all legends. But I'm saying it took a very specific environment for those people to become legends and for them to thrive. Would you would you agree even, even beyond the walls of WWE or the wrestling business? It was a sort of a societal time yeah. frame but that the yeah. mid to late like 90s Jerry man. Springer exactly yeah yes South Park and like what's going on it was just a wild time right it was a, a perfect time. storm is what it was yeah. perfect, it's, it's, perfect yeah. storm. it's exactly it was. what it was yeah I would agree with and, that but but I mean kind of everything is a perfect storm but the thing is sure you have to have a tangible uh thing that you can point to to say like, oh, this only could have existed at this time period. Really, everything could only exist at a very specific time period. This conversation could only happen right here, right now. I had right. to line up exactly exactly with these circumstances for the three of us to be talking right now. But when you do it with something broader, like the, the Attitude Era, it's such a, a thing that you can point to and go, wow, that really had to be the way it was for it to line up exactly like that. So many variables had to line up for the Attitude Era to be able to go down the way it did, including the talent that was involved, you know, to have the rock and Austin and Hunter and undertaker and all these guys simultaneously and Mick Foley simultaneously. So anyway, I, but I like that to, to that ahead. same point. And this is just a chicken or the egg conversation. If business wasn't red hot in the late nineties during the attitude right. era, do we still look at that roster as all and quite as many legends as we have, if the, right. just everything was so hot, does and, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody, right. but or do we no, look no, at no. Rob Van Dam in the same light in his contributions to the business as a whole if he wasn't red hot during that period? Or, or pick a guy, you know, is right. Mick Foley Goldberg. the legend Goldberg. that he is? Goldberg, correct. Goldberg debuts today in NXT. Is he going to be Bill Goldberg? That's a great point. That's a great point. I I, I right? agree with like, that. Is he? Exactly. But Maybe, it was the time. But my it, guess is probably not. <laughs> right? Sure. Like it had to be, Bill Goldberg had to fill a very specific vacuum that only existed at that exact time to be in the spot that he's in. You know, and I, 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 I'm not, I hope I'm not taking a shot at Bill here by saying I'm pretty sure he would be the first to acknowledge this guy isn't exactly known for his, uh, five-star matches or anything, you know, sure. he steamrolled through guys. So if he came around at a different, just a slightly different uh, time when like work rate was far more important or that kind of thing, he might've been left in the dust or people might not have taken a second look at him. You know what I'm saying? It's so, sure. so circumstantial. It's so circumstantial. It's the butterfly effect beyond, beyond WWE yeah. or, or pro wrestling. It's, it's in the world. If something doesn't happen, it's scary to think about what, life could be like if you'd have made a choice different or if this had happened or that chip hadn't fallen. Well, what it sounds like to me, guys, is that we put a quarter in the ride of Sami Zayn. He wanted to go off. So I'm just saying, Graves, a future episode where we like rebook the territories. I think we found a future guest for a future edition <laughs> of After the Bell. Completely agree. 
all I'm getting at <laughs> is going back to that perspective stuff that we were talking about at the very beginning. It's, it's a lot of luck. And I think recognition of that luck is important. Uh, you know, when you talk about everything, your own individual success and the success of something like the Attitude Era, it was a lot of luck. It was a lot of things lining up at just the right place at just the right time. Regardless of even if you take the rose-colored glasses away, the one thing that they really had going for it themselves at that time was this unpredictability. You didn't know what they were going to do next week. And that, I think that was a big part of the intrigue. And that's something that I feel like now with uh, a lot, a lot of wide open playing field right now with all these sort of new characters and not knowing where things are going to line up. I find that exciting. That's what I like as a fan. I don't want to be able to predict what's going to happen. I don't want to, even with Roman, who's been firing on all cylinders, I don't want to be able to look at Roman and go, I know he's going to be champion for another six months. I want to be kept on my toes, you know? Uh, And so I think we're in, there's a a great opportunity right now, particularly on SmackDown. Even, Even with Raw, they have amazing talent, but with SmackDown, I feel like it's wide open and it kind of reminds me of what SmackDown was years and years ago when they first did the brand split where it almost became this sort of opportunity for a lot of guys to, to really become stars or stuff. Right. It, it was the, well, the, the SmackDown six, I believe. Yeah. I, I could see the elements of that. And you hear uh, guys like edge talk about it. it was himself and Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and the guys who weren't necessarily known to be the megastars, but they became megastars because that's what the show needed at the time. And everybody stepped up simultaneously. I completely agree with you. I'm going to ask you before I let you go, uh, we're talking about, you mentioned NXT a few minutes ago. I know you and I knew became, you know, partners slash opponents slash friends in NXT. Uh, what are your thoughts at NXT 2.0 thus far? The little bit I've seen uh, has been pretty interesting and pretty good. And um, I think there was an immediate negative backlash to the idea of NXT 2.0 because people had come to know and like NXT, you know, as this right. black and gold grittier sort of product. So I think there's anytime you tell people, okay, we're doing something new. There's always this sort of guard that comes up and a defensiveness and uh, an unwillingness to to change or accept something new in some cases. Right. And so I know a big part of the rebranding was the presentation and the brightness and the colorfulness. And as soon as I turned on the very first episode of NXT 2.0, I said, man, this looks great. Right. This looks, this does look better. It's brighter. The fans are, uh, you know, elevated like that. They're kind of on top of you. The energy is great. And then on top of it, you have um, a bit of a reset with new characters being, and just like I was talking about a moment ago with SmackDown, a wide open playing field for new characters to step up and fill certain roles. You're seeing that again in NXT. So is it what you liked about NXT a year ago, five years ago? No, it's not. It's not. But there is a lot to like about it, for sure. And if you're the type of fan like I am that likes unpredictability, that likes to watch character development, that likes to see where things are going to line up, if that's part of what interests you about pro wrestling or about WWE, then I think it's, uh, it's intriguing to watch for sure. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. 
Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Sammy, we're running low on time, man. This was fun. We could do this for another two hours. I, I, it's, it's getting to catch up and talk yeah. about the business with my buddies. Like this is this is the dream, right? This is my moment Jeez, of going. I feel like man, we're just getting cooking. I know. Honest. I'm getting I'm getting paid to talk about wrestling with my buddies. This is and I'm on my couch at my house. This is pretty great. <laughs> There's perspective. There's right. that perspective. That's, that's what I'm looking for. See, I, I, yeah. I, hey, you know what? Thank you, Sammy. <laughs> I don't get that enough. I don't there get you that go. Enough. A little more thank you, Sammy. <laughs> Survivor Series this coming Sunday. Next week here on After the Bell, we are reliving Survivor Series 1989. Pull it up, WWE Network on Peacock. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back, rewatch it. We're going to break it down, discuss it, have a great time doing just that. Sammy, before I send you down the road, uh, Sammy for Syria. We see it all over social media. I know it's a cause very important to you. Uh, where can the WWE Universe and ATB Faithful check out and see what it's all about? Yeah, you can just check my... Thank you for bringing that up. I, I appreciate any time I could bring eyes to it. Uh, if you don't know what Sammy for Syria is, essentially it's a, a partnership I have with a, an organization called uh, Syrian American Medical Society. And what we've basically done is set up these mobile clinics to deliver medical care to displaced Syrian population, the, the displaced Syrian civilians. So basically bringing a mobile clinic directly to people who otherwise don't have access to healthcare. Um, and you can go on my social media or just go to sammyforsyria.com uh, and donate there. And the, the effects and the, the results have been astounding for the last couple of years, but you could check it out on my social media. I posted pictures and updates and things like that. And actually I've been talking with them and reopening dialogue to see what the next sort of project is try to raise a bit more funds, but whatever you donate has a very, very real world, uh, tangible effect. You can see the effects that it's having and it's all a product of, of our collective donation. So, um, I do encourage people, especially now with Thanksgiving and Christmas time around the corner. It's sort of the, the spirit for giving and sharing and all that kind of thing. I absolutely, if you have the means, I know not everybody does right now, but if you have the means, chip in a couple bucks, whatever you can, sammyforsyria.com. It will help provide healthcare to people who are desperately in need. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Only a bad guy on your TV screens, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing that up, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Anytime I could get eyes on it, it helps, you know? No doubt about it, man. Well, hey, listen, it sucks. I, I'm not ready to, definitely not ready to put this conversation to sleep. So let's just throw a pin in it. We'll uh, get back to this at a later date. Maybe okay. we have some more time. We'll do the longest episode of After the Bell of All Time. Just free form. We should just do like two hours and then they can snip it how they want to do it. I think but that's I a great like we're idea. Just, we're just, we're just opening up things here a little bit. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I, I feel it too. I, and, and I just got a, got a message from our producer said he loves the idea. So maybe we'll, we'll do this long form yeah. soon, man. This is a lot of fun. Okay. I think we can really dive in. Part two. I'll just have to plan a little bit better, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. All good, man. Thanks for having me. And like I said, uh, we talked when you first got the podcast and I was excited for you and you were excited and uh, I'm glad it, it took a minute, but. I'm glad I finally got to do it with you. No doubt about it, man. You're always welcome. We'll keep the uh, keep the microphone warm for you. Right on. Thank you, Vic. Thank you, Graves. Vic, it's not often that I am left post-interview just wanting more. I would love to continue that conversation with Sammy, one of my favorite people backstage. I know he may be abrasive on screen, but man, <laughs> I love 
conversating with Sammy Zane. Sammy for Syria.com. Uh, it is this season of giving. Do what you can if you can. And make sure you follow us at After the Bell, WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Seriously, it's that easy. You just wake up and it's in your phone or your iPod or whatever it is. Whatever you're listening listening to. to, It's easy. Subscribe. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, more WWE after the bell. (laughs) 